Welcome to One on One, a series of conversations between myself and artists and writers on their use and direct considerations of technology. In our second conversation, I speak with Victor Timofeyev in Peckham, South London, during the time his interactive show Proxia 2.0 had been up at Jupiter Woods. We get into some details of the show, documentation of which is linked out from the one-on-one site, jameslamar.com slash one-on-one, or through Victor's site, victortimofeyev.com. And later on, we hear some of the Victor's thoughts on gaming, improv, and art production. Hope you enjoy. called Proxia. And on the press release, I guess we can call it, if you want to call yeah. it that, um, it says version two. So maybe I want to start with that, if you can talk about you know, what version one was. I guess it's sort of about um, getting the chances to, to have, yeah, to exhibit it twice or, or three times or four times because I was working on it for a few months and I had uh, the first exhibition, uh, the first uh, possibility to show it was in September, no, it was in October 2014. Uh, I was in Riga and by that point I had just, you know, I had kind of like created what I had created. It wasn't exactly the whole, maybe I didn't really know where it was going to go, but basically I was just pressed for, you know, a deadline. Mm-hmm. And I wrapped up something that I thought was by that point a cohesive narrative or a world that I thought was like, okay, like this is how it's going to work for the first one. And it's going to be like, you know, this intense or that short or that long. And that's it. And so basically that was like version one. I mean, maybe version one is never really version one. It was. It's always just like, you know, whatever, we'll see what happens. But then by the time I started to fix things that I, you know, saw that could use fixing or saw how people interacted with the work and got some feedback and had like a little bit of distance, I was like, okay, well, I kind of want to fix a few things and then I want to add this thing that I wanted to do before that I just didn't get to because of time constraints. And then I had this new structure and then I was like, okay, well, this is not only a second time to try to kind of install it physically in a space and see what new I can do um, with this attempt, but I'm also presenting like a little bit of an altered version of the of the project and so that became version two mm-hmm. and then the third uh incarnation is going to be home based <laughs> so because it's the whole project centers around this uh game uh the most natural thing for it to be is also kind of be accessible at home right, right. in some kind of capacity at home i mean i didn't necessarily want to make it just with the attention intention of just distributing it like that. But I wanted to see if I can just have it be maybe working only as a sculpture or only as a physical piece. Right, right. But at the same time, I, I kind of really want to democratize it a bit, but right. not at the same time as having the physical incarnation. So not giving the people the option to be like, well, you can come check it out in the space or check it out online because I like, given the option, I think most people would just like check it out online. Right, totally. So maybe before we get to the, yeah, the third okay. in, incarceration. incarnation, incarnation. <laughs> oh, Although it. it's pretty, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's on subject. Yeah, maybe that's a Freudian slip. Um, uh, going back to the in, how it, it was installed um, in Jupiter Woods um, as an installation, it was sort of you know you had these two as I saw it, and as you played the game, you felt immersed in two 
sort of different worlds. One, you know, you're in the space of Jupiter Woods, which was, you know, set up and designed as like sort of an immersive installation. And another way you're set up, you're immersed digitally, you know, in the game, in like the world that you've built within Proxia. Yeah. So you're kind of doing this like doubling and immersing in both of those ways. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on um, that kind of doubling effect or if you thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Or if you saw a tension between the sort of immersive aspects of like a gallery space yeah and then you know the immersive aspects of like the screen within it well it's yeah it was actually the the two versions like the first two exactly or specifically speaking the first one was in a space that was lit up in a completely different way it was like really you know this kind of standard euro rake lighting Mm -hmm. of fluorescent lights and so it and because the screens were kind of like hanging off the walls and it was like this lighting setup and it it looked really it was like a very photogenic look mm-hmm. for a kind of work to just be you know it could be in some magazine it looked like art from a photograph mm-hmm. and on the other hand it wasn't as fun or as um not fun's not the right word but it wasn't as immersive or potentially you know something like trans inducing that i would like to get out of their work um, within that first space. So mm-hmm. it kind of became, I mean, it was a good experiment and I'm glad it, it did it, but by the time the second attempt came around, um, I mean, it was also a lot more suitable for the space to make it kind of super, just black everything out and the screens being the only light source, well, I guess they're backlit, but mostly just basically sucking you in into the screens um, so that you don't have... I don't know any kind of like other distractions like like light distraction mm-hmm. it's like it I also have these like things in my like floaters in my eyes that I really hate being in the white like really lit up spaces it really like oh yeah I, really I hate what you're it. talking about yeah yeah and that's how I actually started well one of the ideas was came from these floaters was like these uh kind of dots that move around your eyes wherever you look and what, are, like those, a, what like are those a, called? There's a name for them. I don't, remember. I don't know. I I think I've always heard them called as floaters. floaters. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of... I was taking some medication for my knee mm-hmm. uh, problem, and I started... That's when they developed. And then I just went online and started Googling around and, of course, mm-hmm. found, like, steroid-induced glaucoma, which I was like, right. well, this is exactly what I have. And yeah. I'm going blind. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, I went to two different doctors. You're dying. Yeah. Yeah, It's always like the prognosis. Um, and I was assured that it was fine, but still in this kind of period where I thought I was dying or I thought I was going blind. Um, I was, uh, you know, it just, every time I would see a blue sky, I would like look up and like the floaters would just like roll up as if, Mm -hmm. you know, like almost like I look up and there's a little bit of a delay and there's like arrive, like a scroll in and the same thing with white walls. And then they started to also appear, even when I close my eyes, I can see them. So mm. that kind of drove me a bit insane while I um, awaited the prognosis, I guess. Right. But even now, like they're, still, you know, I know that it's they're not getting worse, but they're still there. And it kind of fed into a lot of other ideas I had. But one of them was like this dirty HUD, you know, a kind of like uh, mm. like a heads up display that's like really, you know, not just like whatever polluted with ads or whatever, but it has like the, its own life and it has its own like agenda and. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, it, whatever. But sorry, before, before launching into that, to go back to the idea of the two screens, mm-hmm. it, was, it was also um, a way of basically this, this divide between the space, the 
physical space, the room there, and then the room inside one of the screens mm -hmm. that's being whatever represented. It also came out of this interest in ne uh, nested worlds, so sort of like nested nested universes that are just like overlapping or basically one inside the other inside the other like like Russian dolls, something that can like fractally open up and close so that in the space there's you know the physical space and the, this kind of di digital space and then even in the digital space there's like two screens and then in one of the screens there's like two different divisions to that screen or to that space and then and in those spaces there's also kind of these divisions as well so it kind of like breaks down uh, sort of almost fractally mm -hmm. or like at least that's what I intended it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to come off that way I felt that you know breakdown or that layering that fractal layering maybe you know became self-actualizing um in like my body like in that space you know because i was reminded and thinking about you know the piece and especially with i guess what you could call the press release um which yeah. is just contains like the map or like instructions to playing proxia but what i found in playing the game or like approaching it and immersing myself within it is it made me think about like in this doubling of immersion as you know i felt like i wasn't once at once a player within the game you know but at the same time like my body was a player within like the sort of larger game within the space of the gallery so like oh, cool. so like approaching this it reminded me like of an easter egg like you find in a game like some sort like you know i don't know if you played donkey kong 64 but or no no was it 64 yeah yeah donkey kong 64 where you can there's an easter egg where you find the original donkey kong game and you can play okay. within you know that game which isn't sort of you know it's different than like it's different than recursion i think um it's not a it's not a sense of recursiveness but it's kind of a self-realizing or self-actualizing immersion yeah um and, I I and you know and you have you know the joystick of the game was itself an egg which i maybe you can talk about that a little bit because i guess to mention in the game you play a snake Maybe maybe that's too reductive. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a snake in the game. Um, yeah, like the the, the kind of two dimensional snake right, game. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. From the very beginning, there was. Um, I just had this. I don't like usually brainstorm ideas until mm -hmm. I find the kind of perfect conceptual solution or something. But right. sometimes you know, um, you'd have a kind of idea in your head and you can't really get rid of it and instead of just like putting it away maybe you have to ask yourself like why that idea is there right. um and also just uh i really do believe in a kind of feeling <laughs> approach not not to say it's arbitrary but at the same time something that just like floats around your head for some reason mm -hmm. maybe you don't have to just like question it to hell and uh feel like okay well this this feels like the right thing to be doing and I don't have to know why that is, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to kind of ask yourself. Anyway, um, I was preparing, a, I think I was preparing like a little sketch for the residency. I was also doing the residency at Jupiter Woods and I was going to show them what the physical incarnation was going to look like with this joystick, but I still had no idea. And I had this, already had this idea of um, using the eggs as a symbol in the game. It's a pretty kind of integral thing, but somehow the i think it was really quick i just had this idea of this like grassy field and an egg being ha uh not hatched but like placed on this field as if it was like kind of nurtured by an anonymous source just basically this like really virgin 
pure uh, little thing that was just birthed on this like patch of grass. Mm-hmm. And just as a, as a thing, as a separate object, I already found it to be super interesting. Um, also kind of really, you know, very weird and maybe cheesy and ugly. Maybe not ugly, but somehow a little bit strange. Um, so did you... I mean, did you make an association with, like, the Easter egg thing? Um, that was not... That was definitely not my primary mm-hmm. association. I think that possibly it was in the back of my mind. The egg, I think I was looking at it more in terms of... I mean, in the very beginning, just on a kind of geometric level, I thought it was it's like mm. a really amazing shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just became this kind of symbol of something to strive for. Like, in the in the game, in the actual kind of gameplay, you are constantly being shown um an image of this egg at the end of the at the end of this one room that you're in and it's sort of something that you strive for something that you try to actually get to something you try to just like walk towards so at the end of the room it's not just an opening it's this kind of engine that might be running inside of this egg Mm. or that you kind of are you know given the idea that you might have possession of this thing once you get out so it became like a little brand identity for the project right. and then I made like a little I mean I really like making identities for all kinds of projects that I'm involved in because it's maybe it comes from you know band like designing band flyers or even some vague interest in uh-huh. graphic design and icons and symbols and that whole history yeah certainly you can say you know you were you're affected by this kind of like object or whatever and like I mean that's what I mean most a lot of work um comes out of um is like having an obsession maybe not obsession might be a too strong word but like an association or constantly rethinking of like a certain like shape or texture or like that kind of thing yeah yeah totally moving on from its installation its inception as an yeah. installation um in the coming months you're planning to release it as you said more democratically um, so that people can be able to play it um, themselves in private space. Yeah, space, yeah, yeah. I, um, just so it lives on as a just as a standalone download, mm-hmm. something I can also send around to whomever. Mm-hmm. That's not just in a um, you know kind of gallery art related setting. I mean, I want to yeah, I want to try to share it with as many people as possible and be that a kind of art-inclined audience or like game-inclined. I mean, I'm kind of curious to just give people this thing Mm -hmm. and that's the best way to do it. Uh, But I'm also, I mean, I'm still unsure about it, but I might just have it be a limited time thing because Mm. um, there's an online space that, it's just like an online project space that will host it. Um, I'll make some new like kind of images around it and some flyers and maybe redo some of the instructional guides because I think some of it might change a little bit Mm -hmm. just having some more time with it Um, also because it's moving on to one screen instead of two screens and you know also considering like the mouse and all of these things basically I'll just have to like rethink it a little bit so therefore it'll be like a totally new version right Um, so I'd like to just yeah get it out to as many people as possible but maybe for a limited amount of time so there's a little bit of at least time span to it. Right, totally. I mean, it's incredible to think, too, because I know we talked about this, um, we talked about this before, but that you're coding and doing this entire project yourself, um, which I think is not 
unusual, but you know, that's not how all, you know, projects are like this, especially in the art world are done. You know, it might be a team of people doing yeah, well, um, yeah. a project or something, but I wonder, I mean, it's like pretty incredible that you're, you know, can have the capabilities to render this entire game and like world yourself. Well, I mean, from the design through, um, I mean, to be fair, it's also like unity. <laughs> it's, it's, right. yeah, so maybe you can talk about like the, um, possibilities that unity opens yeah. to. Well, unity, yeah, is a, as specific as you want. About totally. That. Uh, well, it's, it's, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was built in unity, which is, you know, this software that's supposed to be very, I guess also just giving everyone the power to make whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Like a kind of a game engine, a game development kit that anybody can use to kind of create any kind of game that they want. Um, of course, to do that, you need, it comes with like certain assets, certain basics things that you just like drag and drop. And you can even like go through some tutorials on how to, you know, make a, a 2D side scrolling game and whatever. But if you really want to maybe mess around with some of the things of, you know, the conventional, conventional just like controls or, I don't know, tinkering with uh, little details that um, are just super important to you personally, I think that's when it gets kind of interesting because you can, you can do a lot, but it takes, yeah, it just takes like a little bit of tinkering and then you have to write scripts and I don't see how it would have been possible without or like with working with somebody else because right. I have this like I don't know way of working that's mm-hmm. uh, you know you, you need to see the possibilities before you can kind of like maybe decide on what to do and I have to like see all of the possibilities mm-hmm. so I have to like do it 20 times or 100 times to see like okay like this is actually the better way and if you're using I don't know if you're outsourcing things you're always limited to the tools that you can imagine yourself that yeah i really personally like making stuff and i like inventing stuff and some of it involves also reusing you know things from the world like sounds or like symbols or icons or structures but uh personally i really find it super interesting to like build new stuff so whether that's even in drawings just like making stuff up um or kind of working and even on even in paintings, the way I like to work is just kind of building stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. making up a, a world with with a particular logic that might use the perspective logic, might use just like diagrammatic logic, might just use like totally like improvised doodling, uh, just building stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that um, it's something that I kind of brought into working on this piece as well, but. It's not like I want to just switch only to doing this one thing. Maybe you can talk about, you see, connecting to your work more broadly, um, which you've got online on your website, and how you see the connections. Do you see them as discrete parts of a larger thing that you're moving toward or doing? Not that you have, not that there's a trajectory in every artist's practice or something (laughs) like that, but I wonder about your thoughts. Um, about because proxia, how it relates yeah. to a kind of greater, greater. Yeah, and if you think because you know the material, really like just down to the material aspects of it are so yeah. um, different. But if you if you really think of them that differently, I mean, I I, I personally don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, it it did also really come from a lot of drawing, but not drawing in the sense of like 
doodling a kind of like sketch that I then would go and render. It would be more of thinking about three dimensions uh, and two dimensions at the same time. Um, so basically, mm-hmm. like you know, sitting down, drawing, um, drawing space, and then trying to kind of like interfere with that three-dimensional space that I would be drawing with some like two-dimensional paths basically um, I mean a lot of what I was thinking about was just influenced by like the same concept of dirty huds so as if I was like making a kind of like uh, building a world that was like interfering it was being interfered by some some force outside of that uh, dimension so if you can think of like you know like a, a viewport showing whatever like a standard three-dimensional view mm-hmm. or just like a photograph of something and then something overlaid on top of that uh maybe coming from a higher dimension mm-hmm. and then that force can potentially also be broken down into another fold and has like another dimension in it i mean it sounds really kind of maybe uh stupid <laughs> When I try to, when I like try to put it into words like that, but just thinking about that when making stuff, even drawings, uh, was like super. It's just on my mind the whole time. Right. So when right. it came down to actually being like, okay, like I want to make, like a like a real time version of this, not right. not like a, you know, not like a video or something, but something that could be something that could also be based more on real time. Okay, I want to like maybe end on talking about the talking about that HUD a little bit more. Are you concerned about ways that people are being like mediated right now by, by, I mean, that's like a hot topic, right? Totally. Right? It's like people are worried about, you know, being mediated by technology and like what it's doing to us. Yeah. So maybe you can talk about that. I think personally, I think it's, I really, I mean, it really changes from day to day, but I really like being more of a, um, maybe I would like to be more of a kind of utopian and optimist in these things, but it just feels like new abilities are basically emerging, mm-hmm. new behavioral patterns, things that I don't ultimate. I don't think they're a bad thing, you know, like splitting your mind up into, into working on different things at the same time, like multitasking really well because you're kind of like aware of that you should check that and you should check, you know, that thing. Like I kind of tried to take that and then and just like just accept it. <laughs> And uh, just kind of work around it, or see what, what, what yeah, what what possibilities it opens up as well, and what I can what I can create out of it. Whether that's sort of like these picture-in-picture worlds, um, whether that's like taking you know some drugs and just zoning out and like doodling around without looking, and that being a kind of strategy mm-hmm. of resistance, right. uh, or <laughs> whatever. These these kinds of ideas of like even improvisation I think is is a really great way of doing stuff that doesn't you know quantify your your efforts because it's like okay like I'm just gonna you know make some music or I'm gonna jam or I'm gonna like think about this idea in some way but really zone out in such a way that doesn't like compartmentalize your time into like these little parcels of like okay I'm gonna like figure out a good concept for this i'm gonna like get out of that i'm gonna work on this thing here in the studio i'm gonna like figure out what to say for this interview i'm gonna do that i mean email yeah responding to the world as it is like in your own way i always find that more interesting than people who try to like nail a a point 
but that's just like my own thing. Like I think personal idiosyncratic responses to the world are like super valuable and interesting. Totally. Thanks everyone for checking out this second installment of One on One. And thanks to Victor for sitting down with me this week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast or check back every couple weeks for a new installment. Until then.